Welcome to the Upwards Podcast, an initiative of Upper House on the campus of University of Wisconsin-Madison. Through conversations with thinkers, scholars, and leaders, we explore the life of the mind and the questions of the soul to enrich our university, our community, and the church. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dan, your host, and we're happy to be hosting another episode of Inside Upper House, where we pull back the curtain on some part of our project that's less visible from the outside. Now, to be honest, today's topic is actually not that concealed behind a curtain. It's actually quite visible. Here at Upper House, we often partner with Science for the Church on events and even on podcast episodes, especially when the topic is something around the intersection of faith and science. But today we want to sketch out that partnership and give a sense of how Upper House and Science for the Church came to work together and why both of our organizations benefit from this partnership. So joining me are the two co-directors of Science for the Church, Drew Rick Miller and Greg Kutsona. Hi, Drew. How you doing, Dan? Hi, Greg. Good to be here with you. Same here. So both Drew and Greg have appeared as hosts, actually, on previous podcast episodes. But before jumping into the conversation with them here, I'll give each a brief introduction uh, just to make sure you're acquainted with them. So Drew is one of the project co-directors of Science for the Church and the lead editor of the weekly email for Science for the Church. Before starting Science for the Church, he spent more than 10 years with the John Templeton Foundation, where he developed programs helping religious leaders and media engage scientific content. Drew studied literature and physics at Northwestern University, and, uh, and he also attended Princeton Theological Seminary. And he lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, with his wife, who's a Presbyterian pastor, and their three daughters. And I have in my notes here, make sure to mention Northwestern. So I already did that, and I'm sure it'll be mentioned again. <laughs> and Greg is also a project co-director of Science for the Church, and he's a lecturer in Religious Studies and Humanities at California State University at Chico. And before that, he served for nearly 18 years as an associate pastor in New York and in Chico. And Greg studied comparative literature at University of California, Berkeley, and theology at Princeton as well. So I'm with two Princeton uh, grads here. And also the universities of Tübingen and Heidelberg, and at Berkeley's Graduate Theological Union, where he received his PhD. And Greg's the author of numerous books and a frequent speaker and interviewer himself. We were just talking about his jazz uh, podcast that uh, where he interviews jazz musicians. So that's one of Greg's many uh, side projects, I guess you could say. Uh, so welcome to both of you. So let's jump in to the conversation here. And just to start off, just want to ask each of you how you got into the faith and science space. Drew, can we start with you? Sure. So uh, I'll start during that time at Northwestern, since you wanted to make sure I got a few extra uh, mentions about my beloved Wildcats here. So most of my time while I was at Northwestern, I was double majoring in physics and English literature. I was always kind of split between the hard sciences and the humanities, because I, I loved them both. Uh, and that was also the time where my Christian faith was kind of becoming my own and, and becoming a much more important part of my life. Uh, and so I had all sorts of questions. I was uh, engaging with campus ministry groups and others that suggested certain areas of science might not go so well with uh, Christian faith, and that kind of troubled me. Um, and so I, I had the, these questions and, you know, I left Northwestern and an English major and a physics minor doesn't really uh, lead to an obvious vocation. 
know, I did a little bit of interviewing. It was mostly technical writing type jobs. I did not want to write the manual for the new model of a Buick car or something like that to tell the, the, the people in the auto shop how to repair it. Um, so I did what I guess you do with those, that combination of degrees. I went to seminary um, and I went and I pursued those theological questions I had. There's a lot of good reasons to, to say why I went to Princeton Theological Seminary, financial aid being probably the, the first one. Um, but there was also at the time uh, the only chaired theologian um, working in theology and science, Wenzel Van Hoisting. And so that was a big draw for me to be able to ask these questions and, and to have kind of an expert uh, guide me through them. And, and, you know, for me, faith had a large intellectual component and it was reconciling it with science and, and trying to make sense of the two. And so uh, I was privileged to, to study with Vensel and, and um, just fell in love with the subject and decided rather than become a pastor or an academic uh, to, to, to try to pursue a career where I could work in the intersection between the two and, and help enable this conversation to, to happen in different places in, in, in our society and our culture. Thanks, Drew. Uh, Greg, how about you? What's your origin story with faith and science? I will, there's a lot of different places that I've started this story. So let me just say that probably the most formal place was when I did my PhD at the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley. And uh, I thought I was signing up for a philosophical theology and systematic theology program. But what I realized was that when I started listening to lectures by Robert John Russell, a physicist and theologian, I was going to learn about science and theology. So that was the first formal point where I took it on, uh, took it, the intersection of faith and science, really seriously, and just was electrified by it. Um, hearing the connection, for example, between time dilation in relativity theory and the doctrine of creation, that's the kind of thing that gets me really excited. What was great was right after I finished my PhD at the Graduate Theological Union, I went on to uh, serve as a pastor in New York City, as you mentioned earlier, at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian, and I brought a lot of the topics of uh, science to my ministry, my Christian ministry and pastorate, and found when they were properly articulated and directed uh, to be topics that were of incredible interest to my congregation. I wouldn't say every topic in science and theology is of interest, but there are many that are, and we found that to be, we, uh, that intersection to be really provocative for our faith and to be really generative for a depth of faith, faith that was needed in the kind of environment that New York City provided. So that was uh, back in 1996, and ever since then, it, either as an academic or as a pastor or both, I brought science and faith uh, to the ministry that I've been a part of. Thanks, Greg. And we're going to sort of fast forward over a lot of interesting terrain for both of you, as uh, you, you've both worked together for a while now. Um, including on on previous projects before Science for the Church. But I want to get to the origins of Science for the Church, and and then we'll move on to sort of why Upper House uh, becomes part of the story as well. But Greg, maybe you can take us to just giving us a sense of where does Science for the Church come from, and, and how does it turn in from an idea into an actual organization? Well, for me, it was really coming out of this intersection of science and faith in Christian ministry, uh, in church-based ministry, and then more formally, as a, as a project, uh, when um, Paul Wasson, who is one of Drew's colleagues, 
at the Templeton Foundation, when Drew was there, uh, approached me and uh, my friend David Wood, uh, who became a friend, I should say, about doing a project uh, of connecting faith and science in congregations that was scientists and congregations. That uh, generated over about a decade a lot of different projects and interactions with congregations, the last of which was as relevant as Science and Theology for Emerging Adult Ministries, or STEAM, Science and Theology for Emerging Adult Ministries. And that was where Upper House got connected uh, with me. And although I had met John Terrell before he came to Upper House, that was where uh, Upper House received one of the subgrants that we gave. And I just became so excited by uh, the work of Upper House as a Christian study center that um, I thought, wow, it would be amazing to partner with them um, in this new work of science for the church. During the time of science, of STEAM, uh, Drew also moved over from the uh, grant-giving side of the John Templeton Foundation to the team of uh, STEAM, as it were. Uh, and he started an enormous amount of exciting projects, the, the most notable being um, the newsletter that we do weekly, uh, this, the uh, newsletter from Science for the Church. And so that connected us just back, all three of us together, the three being Upper House, Drew, and me with uh, what you, you all do there at, uh, at Upper House. And then ultimately to you, Dan, which, was, which is really a great privilege. So that's a little bit of how we got connected uh, through, um, through this grant steam with Upper House. And then when we formed Science for the Church, right before the pandemic, uh, at the end of 2019, December 2019, uh, then it was a natural fit for us to connect uh, all of these relationships and all of our interest in how faith and science are really a vital part of what's happening, I think, for, uh, let me say, for the gospel, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'll just uh, chime in from from uh, Upper House's perspective. You know, we work at the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Madison, very science-heavy campus. Uh, we, I mean, we have, uh, you know, thousands of faculty here doing all different types of things, but uh, a lot of it is on the, the scientific, science side. And as a small organization here, um, we specialize in some things and not in others. And so I've just enjoyed for the two years I've been on staff here, the wealth of, well, one, knowledge about faith and science that both of you bring, but then also your connections um, across the country. It's a wide range of, of different science and faith topics, but it's also a pretty small network as well. A lot of people know each other and a lot of them know you. So it's been a great fit for us in the sense that it, it really helps us understand uh, a big part of our mission, which is to reach faculty at, at UW uh, in a way that we probably couldn't if we didn't, if we didn't have your connection. Drew, anything you want to add on sort of the origins of Science for the Church or relationship with Upper House? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the taking more of a 30,000 foot view of the origins of science for the church. A lot of it grows out of uh, our, our mutual love for science and faith, but also, you know, Greg had all those years in ministry. Uh, I've been a pastor's spouse. Uh, fortunately, I haven't been one that has to bring casseroles, you know, to every potluck at the church, but, you know, I've just grown to deeply love and appreciate the church. And so, you know, I think both of us see some need in the church for this kind of a conversation. Uh, I worked with a lot of scientists, uh, many of whom were, were persons of faith while I was at the John Templeton Foundation and heard many stories about how they just don't feel they fit in in the local church. Um, the church doesn't appreciate them as scientists. And then there's you know all this other information we're hearing uh, from surveys from you know the latest Pew and Gallup and everybody else's studies about young people 
um, leaving our churches and, and science often being given as one of the reasons why they are leaving the church. And so there just seems to be this, this passion that Greg and I share that I think is filling a need for the church. This is not a conversation the church is spending a lot of time on. It's not, you know, first on the list for most pastors is something the church needs to be dealing with. So, you know, I think that motivates us um, that there's a real need here and there's real important work to be done. And it happens to be work that leverages our, our passions. So continuing, Drew, what is the bread and butter work of Science for the Church? Give us a sense of how you, uh, what's your theory of change, I guess, and what is the organization uh, sort of organizing and trying to do on a, on a weekly or monthly basis? Sure. So the, I think the bread and butter of our organization has grown out of those projects Greg mentioned, scientists and congregations and the STEAM project. Uh, and they both built around a simple model where you, you have the congregation, the ministry, create a pastor-scientist pair, a, a team. Sometimes there was more than one pastor. Sometimes there were multiple scientists involved. But you, you give them some resources and you energize and resource them to, to take action in their local community, uh, to develop things that are very, very contextual and to utilize the ministry the theology, the Bible background of the pastors and the, the science expertise and often educational expertise of those science professionals and kind of let them loose uh, in the church, meeting the, the needs and the interests of that local congregation. You know, science and faith is a huge topic. You can talk about it as science and faith and look at the history and the philosophy and the theology around it. But then there's also all the individual sciences and how they might impact the church or be relevant to particular doctrines that are there as well. And so, you know, to, to create a one size fits all isn't going to work very well for the majority of congregations. Uh, but this model where you you leverage the, the resources within a local church, I think, has real potential to benefit almost every church because all of our churches have scientists of some sort. Um, whether it's uh, someone like me who's not a formal scientist but grew up loving physics and still reads a lot in that area, or a, a science teacher, or a, you know, somebody working in the tech industry that has a, a heavy science background, the, the, the folks are in almost every congregation. And how do we leverage them and, and use their gifts to the, to the benefit of the body of Christ? Yeah, I think as an outsider to your organization, I just to reiterate what you said, I've noticed that you you put a, a strong emphasis on relationships in a way that you do in in on paper, I guess that that wouldn't necessarily be the first maybe place I would naturally go um, when th- thinking about faith and science. It's about the ideas, it's about the debates, ethical issues, all that kind of stuff. But your emphasis on on relationships, both the pastor and scientist, but also other ways of building relationships seems to be part of, of your daily work as well, is, is, is creating those networks, creating trust in a way that is sort of necessary for people to even want to sort of step out on these issues, and, and ultimately creating those connections that can actually create a community uh, for change. So that's just my outside uh, perspective on it. Greg, do you have anything to add here on sort of the bread and butter work of Science for the Church? I think it was great that Drew mentioned uh, the standard model of pairing the congregational leader or pastor with a scientist from that congregation. And one of the things I think we've been exploring is how do you move more widely into these communities of trust in engaging faith and science? And how do you just demonstrate that there are scientists in your midst? I mean, that's the incredible thing. 
one of the remarkable statistics uh, that came out was that about 50 plus percent of high school students in church groups want to go into science or science related fields. So that demonstrates that not only among our older part of our congregation, but right in our youth and college part of our congregations, we're going to see interest in science and people may not always understand that, what that connection may be, but when they hear about it and see that's a live uh, and lived connection, then it becomes relevant for their faith. I just would add one more thing about this um, in terms of this relation-based model that it is out of relationships that change really happens. And so right in, you know, almost any Christian community, you'll find scientists and that's, I think, what helps uh, this standard model be something that we really have uh, continued with and stuck with and tried to keep refining over the past decade or so. And uh, we're excited to bring it to place like Upper House and other locations throughout the United States where this connection between faith and science, but really Christians and scientists in the Christian community can be uh, a place for discovery and exploration and spiritual growth. Yeah, and just the, the few events that we've that I've been a part of that we've co-organized have been around that relational model, or at least it's it, we're trying to model conversations in a way that's not just sort of one person presenting information or or debate or two people debating or something, but actually conversations around people who um, maybe don't know each other super well, though in some cases they do. But that there's there's sort of an invitation to the outsiders too that that you can be part of this conversation and that it is a relation like relationships can be built through these dialogues around faith and science. So moving on, uh, what are uh, I'll, I'll ask each of you this: What is an area of concern for faith and science that Science for the Church is trying to address? And maybe we can limit it to just this next year because I know there's there's a million different ways uh, that could go. But maybe start with you, Drew, an area of concern for faith and science that that you guys are trying to prioritize. Right. So uh, an area that is not part of the traditional faith and science kind of field uh, range of ideas, but one that has grown in, in importance to both Greg and I is how do we help science professionals think about their work as Christian vocation? And so, again, it, it gets a little bit into that relational model. Um, it gets into the, the standard work of the church. How do we equip um, the body of Christ to be ministers of the gospel Monday through Friday and not just, you know, spiritual on Sunday? And so that, that, that's a big point of emphasis that, that we're, we're looking to pursue, beginning to pursue, is, is what are the resources that are out there? What is unique about STEM professions? science, uh, technology, engineering, and math that may be different from business or others? And, and how do we help the church to support those individuals, again, that are, that are in their midst? So that's, I think, one important area. An- another important area is we've always been pretty good at trying to offer a range, both theologically and scientifically, of what the topics uh, are in in science and faith, you know, covering all the different areas of science, psychology, physics, biology, medicine, a whole range and how they're relevant and, and then different perspectives within the church. What we haven't been as good at is having a diversity of voices involved in the conversation. 
And so that's a big point of emphasis. We, we've got some new opportunities that, that we hope will be launching in the fall, working with Hispanic congregations and Hispanic pastors. Uh, and we're just working hard to, to have a more diverse group of partners in those relationships through our work. Greg, what about you? I think I would approach this answering this question of areas of concern a little more broadly, thematically. I think Drew had some great themes. It's not to say he didn't pull out themes, but when I think about it, it's, it's the topics he mentioned, of course, of diversity, for example. But it's also, I think, this um, personal sense that when people hear about faith and science, they sometimes react. When I say this, so you know, like Greg, what do you do? I say, well, I work with this organization that brings faith and science issues together. And if there are people in the church, they'll often say, oh, I don't think I'm that heady. I don't think I want, you know, I want to think that much. And I think Drew and I have really worked hard with this relational model, or what we're now calling the standard model, to say this is about relationships. You know, first of all, it's about there are people in the congregation who are involved in science. And then it's also about taking those scientific insights and relating them to everyday life. And so I think one of the things we found as far as topics is uh, and, and concerns is how do we take it from that distant idea or distant topic to something that's real? And a lot of times psychological sciences can be really important. So the science of happiness, um, the science of well-being uh, can be an easy win, as it were, for how do you connect faith and science topics and Dan, here's something that's really funny for me. Um, you, I don't even think we've had this conversation yet, but I'm just about to enter back into the church again as a pastor uh, part-time. And one of the things that I'm trying to do as I think about preaching and teaching is to integrate science in ways that doesn't say, hey, I'm integrating with science, but just to do it. And as you do that, then you can almost backfill, hey, we're doing faith and science integration. You know, as people see the relevance and see the excitement about bringing faith and science together, then it becomes a topic that's not too heady, but actually very personal. Uh, I'll close with one last piece uh, before we move on to maybe another to next topic. But when Drew and I looked at this initial project called Scientists in Congregations, which built off this standard model of relationships of a scientist and uh, or scientists and their pastors, we found something fascinating when we went back to those congregations after they'd done these three-year projects. We found that not only did the congregation understand science better, which we thought would happen, but they actually grew spiritually. Like they just grew in their understanding of who Jesus is in their lives. And it, it makes sense when you step back from it, you say, well, they're bringing more of their real life, their real life, which is lived in a world saturated with science and technology. They're bringing more of that to their faith. No wonder Jesus looks bigger and more important in their lives. So ultimately, we believe that by engaging with science, uh, even though it can be concerning to get over this hurdle of that's too heady, actually, it's very personal and very spiritual in the most important senses of the words. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, and yeah, that, that even asking what is science and, and, and having a, a ready-made and broad answer, I think that's something that even coming to Upper House, I didn't fully appreciate all the different dimensions of what, what, what is part of the broader umbrella of science that includes the social sciences, um, that includes obviously the hard sciences, uh, but also includes technology, which is, of course, um, a key part of our lives as well. 
Well, that, that gets us to our last question here that actually dovetails really well. And I'll, I'll start with you, Greg, and then, Drew, you can have the final word. Uh, Greg, why is engaging science important for the church, and why are science-engaged churches important for our country? I think the first thing that's uh, really important is what I just uh, found myself talking about is, is this idea of how the church actually grows when they engage in science. So this is not extraneous to the ministry of the gospel. It's actually very deeply connected to the ministry of the gospel. And we don't want, as, as a pastor, I'll speak for my pastor, sorry, I want my congregation to live fully in the world that they are in as people who follow Christ, you know, and I think when we think, when we realize how much science and technology is part of our lives, when we can engage with that, then we recognize we're bringing more and more of ourselves. There's a wonderful image from my favorite author, C.S. Lewis, from the Chronicles of Narnia, where uh, the Christ figure, Aslan, gets bigger and bigger uh, in the view of the children in this fantasy series. And Aslan, of course, is the Christ figure that I just mentioned. And they go to him later and they say, why is it that you seem to be getting bigger and bigger? And basically, I'm going to paraphrase now because Lewis said it better. So I'll just do a paraphrase. Well, essentially, you've seen me more in, in your lives. Therefore, I get bigger. I haven't changed in my size, but I've gotten bigger in terms of how you understand me. And I think that's true of Christ. We see that Christ is really a part of this. So that's an important for the virtue of engaging science for the church. The other side of it, I think, is actually as important. And I, th- I think you mentioned at the beginning, uh, much of my life is spent um, in a secular university, a California State University at Chico. And I often will uh, make the connection that, you know, still in our country, even though we're beginning to move more and more away from the church, that most of our country, if they're religious, and most of our country is religious, that they identify with the religion of Christianity. So if we are going to keep this country moving forward, um, I think we want to have our country and its people engaged with issues of science and technology. And since most of our people are Christians, uh, and since many Christians are resistant to science, I didn't mention that earlier, by reducing the resistance that some Christians feel, we're helping, I believe, our uh, country become, honestly, I'll just say this way, what God wants it to be, you know, engaged both in the issues of the day, but even more engaged in uh, what we can do as a country. And then the Christians that are in our country being engaged in the mission of Christ, which is to engage with the science and technology infused world and demonstrate the relevance of the gospel and the the deep, deep love of God. So I think this is an an important connection. This important connection of Christian faith and science is important both for our country, honestly, for the, and those who are outside of the church and particularly uh, as we have focused in science for the church for the growth of the church in its proclamation of the gospel and it's, it's in, in its development as disciples, as followers of Christ. Thanks, Greg. Uh, how about you, Drew? This is always a tough question for those of us that spend a lot of time in this space. There's lots of ways to answer why it's important for the church to be engaging science. I'm not going to go through the, the bulleted list we've used in the past that has like dozens of things, but I think one that's important to to remember that that is often forgotten is science being engaged in the church by Christians has a long history. It is part of who we are as the church. 
there's scholarship that has looked at the early scientists, many of whom were Christians, and why modern science grew up in the Christian West, so to speak. And some of it comes out of this, this heritage that God has revealed through two books. We've forgotten the second book. We all remember God's revealed through scripture. Um, that part the church has not lost, but there was a strong tradition in past centuries that God has also revealed through the book of nature. God is revealed through creation. And so, you know, if ultimately we want to grow spiritually and come to know the God who we worship, science is a vehicle that can help us to do that. Um, so I think that's, a, that's an important reason that we've lost uh, in the contemporary church that, that's part of our heritage. I think there's, there's also important reasons around kind of the mission field. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I, I've worked with a number of scientists who kind of feel out of place at times in the church. And so it's important to be engaging science to help them fit in. But they also have lots of peers who are just not interested in the church. There are Christians and, and people of faith throughout the sciences, but it's a much lower number than the general population. And so this is a mission field. This is a, a space where the, the church Christian voices are the minority. How do we begin to change that? Um, how do we begin to, to, to be more relevant to help the scientific communities with some of the ethical decisions that, that they're forced to make with the, the, the progress in science? So I think that mission piece is, is another important one. And the last one is, it really gets beyond science and faith. Uh, one of the things we learned, we did a, a, an evaluation of the scientists and congregations program as kind of a transition that led to science for the church. And uh, we caught up with over half of the pastors that were involved in that original program. And it was amazing how many of them weren't always engaging science. They, they had slowed that down. They were still doing some but they were using the tools that they had developed through the engagement with science to deal with new topics, to deal with political division, to deal with racial division, to deal with a whole range of topics. And that's why I think it's important, why this conversation I think is important for our country. We have learned how to talk to people that are like us. We have forgotten how to talk to people that are different than we are, that think differently, that approach the world differently. You get some of that in science and faith conversations. Of course, if it's only Christians talking to one another, there's going to be some shared values, but there's still pretty significant differences in, in how we approach the world and, and how we ask and answer questions and what we consider evidence and, and those sorts of things. And so I think it's enormously important that we continue to exercise to, um, those muscles of engaging people that are different than us. Um, that, that we learn how to talk across those things that divide us. And, you know, science and faith for some folks may not be the most important one, but it is one of those ways where we can exercise those muscles and, and hopefully get some of the, the tools and the skills that we need to deal with some, some other um, issues that divide us as a country. Thank you, Drew. Thank you both for those comments, and uh, thank you for spending the time with us. Please, uh, listener, go to scienceforthechurch.org if you're interested more, and particularly sign up for the the email newsletter. Um, That's one of the best ways to keep in touch uh, with what's going on at Science for the Church. All those links will be in the show notes uh, as well. 
And thank you for joining us as we continue on our sort of unofficial summer of science. And uh, we'll, be, we'll keep doing that through the month of August. Until next time, go in peace. The Upwards podcast is supported by the Stephen and Laurel Brown Foundation. It is produced at Upper House in Madison, Wisconsin. Music by Micah Bear, audio engineering by Andy Johnson, and graphic design by Madeline Ramsey. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn with the handle at Upper House UW.